I like music. Well, shall we talk about books? Or about Bruno? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. We should not talk about Bruno. <laughs> oh, no, why not? Jeez. All right, books. Let's talk about books. All right. Hey guys, here's what's coming up. On May 9th, we will be discussing our March buddy read, Little Themes by Margaret Owen. This is a Goose Girl retelling. And don't forget to check out our Patreon. We have all sorts of cool perks available from our miniseries and monthly episode picking poll to bookmarks and books from our TBRs. Check out all the cool perks at patreon.com slash thebooklifepodcast. We hope you'll consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, the Pirate Queen, Sam, Megan, and Leah. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are talking about 10,000 Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow. This is a newer novel, came out in um, 2019. I would say this is a... Young adult or new adult novel, if I was going to give any opinions on it. What do you think, Abby? What age level is this for? I think this is definitely young adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, very fast read, very engaging. I did the audiobook version. What version did you do, Abby? I also did the audiobook version. I got it from my library. So, yeah. Uh, I loved it. I loved the audio version. I thought the voice actor was fantastic. Yes. Um, it was a well-done audiobook for sure. I love a well-done audiobook. So I have some kind of fun facts about the author that I was able to procure from the internet. Can I share them with you? Please do. All right. So Ms. Harrow's favorite books as a child were My Father's Dragon. Never heard of it. Watership Down. Have heard of it. Um, Wise Child. Haven't heard of it. Wild Magic. I think I've heard of that one. Uh, Don't know, though. Uh, The Blue Crown. Haven't heard of it. Harry Potter and Prince of Azkaban. That's right. The best Harry Potter book. Have heard of that Woo! one. Um, <laughs> and a Wizard of Ursi. Have heard of it. Have not read it. Have you? Okay. So My Father's Dragon, I have only recently heard of. And I read it to Matthias. And he really liked it. The sequels, I haven't gotten him into. But he really enjoyed it. It's cute. It's very short. It's definitely a um, read to your young children kind of book. Okay. Because it's like 100 pages long with illustrations. Perfect. Watership Down, I've heard of, never read. I don't know anything about it. Um, A Wizard of Earthsea, I assume, is part of the Earthsea series, which I have not read at all, but I've heard of them. Um, I haven't heard of any of those others, though. So. Right. That's kind of how I felt, too. I was like, good to know. But I always love when authors share their favorite books and that have shaped their reading lives essentially um i thought this was hilarious so a book she faked reading she was with an Mm ex-boyfriend and he recommended it and it's called beautiful losers by cohen i don't know never heard of it but let me tell you why why this went on her oh my god i can't finish this book there was a weird sexual passage about a woman's ear i too would chuck <laughs> the book out the window if i had to read about a woman's ear 
in that kind of way. Man, I hope her taste improved in men. <laughs> um, oh, oh, in men. I'm like, in books? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. No, her taste oh, in, but men. in men. I assume that was probably an early boyfriend. Oh my gosh. That's horrifying. Yep. Only a teenage boy would think that kind of thing was peak literature because let me tell you things that don't happen. <laughs> Oh, you remember that one conversation we had about how much can you pack into a, a woman's um, private? Yeah. I feel like that's thing, you know what I yes. mean? Anyway, hope you enjoyed that fun fact I found. Oh, thank you for the laugh. Um, what I found most impressive, since we are the book moms, she wrote this book while working full time with a newborn. So, Mo, when are you going to write your novel? I'm working on it, woman. Okay. I know. Abby, how's yours going? About as well. (laughs) All right. Can you walk us into the summary of this book? Sure thing. January feels like just another curiosity in a mansion full of curiosities, carefully maintained, largely ignored, and completely out of place. Then one day, she finds a book that carries the scent of another world and tells a story of love, adventure, and danger. At first, it seems as much a fiction as any story her father ever told, but the longer she reads, the more she comes to realize that the truths of the story get far closer to home than she ever could have guessed. Man, that's a good summary. Um, I'm pretty sure, so I'm going to put this down, that I believe I bought this book on sale is how I ended up with it. Um, I think it was like a $4.99 book. I'm like, ooh, well, and I like remember reading the summary. I'm like, oh, you're traveling to different worlds. Great. My kind of novel. Bye. I was so pleasantly surprised when I read it. It was a concept was super refreshing. Um, just this whole, there are doors. And she finds a book that carries the scent of another world. Like, can you imagine out of all of the books we have, you pick up one and it smells so different. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love good world building. Well, and well, and the magic of the doors is fascinating because it taps into something that every imaginative child plays at at some point in their lives. Because you can't tell me you haven't ever been in an old house and gone wandering away from your parents and found some really cool looking door and you opened it hoping to find something just absolutely fantastic or find another world on the other side every kid with own active imagination has had that fantasy before so it's just one of those like and think about it too chronicles of narnia going into the wardrobe like that's one of the most classic (laughs) children's fantasy novels you can read we are embedded with this desire to find another world to get into and make you know Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yes, I definitely enjoyed the magic of this. So, Mo, why don't you tell me about the characters? I would love to tell you about the characters. So, first off, we have our main character, who is January Scholar. She is a young 16-year-old living with her guardian, Cornelius Locke, in a mansion um, out on the East Coast, Vermont, New Hampshire. Vermont, I think. Vermont, that's what I thought, too. 
And she is smart, she is witty, and she's a lover of books. There is Cornelius Locke, who is her guardian. He is a member of an archaeological society that is dedicated to finding treasures around the world. And someday she wishes to join and also go on expeditions. So this, this book is also set in the age of ex- exploration, which I've always loved. Julian Scholar, who is January's father, he works for society going out to different places to procure and collect new riches and treasures for Mr. Locke. There is Adelaide, also known as Aid, who is a young girl who just isn't quite satisfied with her lot in life, and she gets to go on an adventure on the search for a boy that she only met once. Um, there is Jane, who is generally Scholar's um, governess. She comes after meeting her father and works for Mr. Locke as well. She works for Mr. Scholar, but she lives in Mr. Locke's house, and she teaches Jane all sorts of useful information. There is Bad, whose full name, I can't remember. What's, what's Bad's full name? Oh, I don't remember. Well, he's a dog. And he is a very loyal, awesome companion to January, and I adore him. He is a good guy. And there's also Samuel, who actually gave bad to um, January, and he is a local boy from her town who's also one of her good friends. And it should be noted, uh, January is mixed race, and her father, I believe, is the one who's uh, the darker skin, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's part of why her father is not allowed in the society because this is the early 1900s. So all these rich old white men that he's working for don't want a dark-skinned man in their society. Which is unfortunate. And January is toted as an exotic princess from a far-off land by Mr. Locke whenever they go to parties, which is kind of icky when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Her whole situation is kind of icky. Everything's kind of icky. Um, so everyone, that is our summary, our characters, and our fun facts. Any parting thoughts, Abby, before we go into the second half that is all about spoilers? I don't think so. Let's get into spoilers. All right, guys, we'll see you in a minute. Talk to you in a minute, guys. These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or... Do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is spoilers. So if you have not read The 10,000 Doors of January... Pause right now, go read the book, and then come back and talk to us. Or, if you don't care about spoilers, continue listening. All right, let's start with favorite characters then. Want me to go? Want me to tell you? Favorite yes. characters are perfect. Okay, so I'm pretty certain I spoke about Jane in our favorite side character episode. I thought Jane was, or maybe it was favorite females. They all run together sometimes. Wow. What an amazing, interesting character. One, her character of strength, like, or strength of character, that's what it's called. I'm good with words. She has dealt with a lot. She is dark-skinned as well, and she was from our world, 
went to another world where essentially there are women warriors who um, shapeshift into cats. And she's so enamored by their society that she wants to stay there because where she was from, she was from Africa. That's what it was. And she was living on a mission and it was miserable and awful. And she's like, no, I would like to stay with the warrior woman. And they're and she goes back. He's there. And they're like, yeah, you know, you can't shapeshift. So you can't come out with us and go hunting. But you can stay with the men. And she's like, well, I don't want that. So she comes back, procures all these weapons, and she's like, all right, y'all, let's go hunting. <laughs> and so, I mean, the fact she made her own, essentially her made her own way, made her own destiny as a child, and eventually Julian finds her and kind of jacks everything up and drags her back to this world. He's like, I am so sorry, because... Huge spoiler, guys. The society is closing doors whenever Julian goes in and destroying them. So there's never a way back to that world. And basically, he shut the door on Jane um, and dragged her back here where she, I mean, she's a black woman. She has no power here, um, especially in the turn of the century versus being in a society where she was a huntress and important well i mean she kept together really well i was really impressed with that so that's what i mean by her strength of character oh, i agree jane is one of my favorites in this book too she's she has so much personality and she is so strong and so just badass we talk about badass women a lot on this podcast and she is 100 percent one of them like wow her story killed me because when she's telling January about it, she's like, I had several husbands. I had a bunch of kids. Like she had a family in that world. She had made a place for herself in the society. She was one of them. And to be suddenly dragged out of that back to the world she had fled from was just, oh, that hurt me to hear. Like, oh, man. That is not the kind of thing anyone deserves to lose their whole family like that. It, it just, uh Yes. So, yeah, I 100% agree. Jane is an awesome character. For sure. My next favorite character was the dog. I love that. <laughs> um, I love his loyalty to January. Like, so she's being dragged away by hired men by society and she's, and he attacks them for her. He loves her. He is 100% loyal to her. And, oh, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Bad was such a good dog. Love dogs. Love, I love their loyalty. I love how much they're just there for you. And, I mean, come on. He's just a big-ass dog, and you know how I feel about those. Yes. <laughs> um, and lastly, I really... I, wow, I like all side characters in this one. I love Samuel. I thought Samuel was such a good friend in January, um, especially helping her escape out of, well, being an assistant to, for her escape from the asylum and then giving her a place to stay with this cabin and just going with her when they went into, I don't know, what the, I forgot what it was called, but like the pocket dimension world that mm -hmm. everybody else, you know, really admired him and he really stuck to her 
he was such a solid character. He was so sweet. He was so supportive. And all the stuff that he stuck through her with and all the times he stuck his neck out for her because he didn't have to help her escape from the asylum. He didn't have to offer his family's cabin. He didn't have to go with her to the pocket dimension. Like he could have ducked out at any time and nobody would have like said boo about it because it wasn't his fight. He was just a hundred percent there for January. Like, nah, I mean, you're my, you're my friend. Of course I'm going to do this. And of course, like more than a friend, but well, I mean that too, <laughs> but I, I was more focused on the, his loyalty to her. Yes. Abby, um, you mentioned two other people and your favorite characters. Who did you mention? Okay. So I had a rough time with the beginning of this book because I was kind of bored. Um, and then January starts reading a story about a boy and a girl. And their story is what got me through this to the more interesting parts in the later half. Because I just, their story is so sweet. The story follows Adelaide, Aid, and she meets a boy that steps through this door. And she only meets him once. They talk and spend an entire day together and decide to meet up again. He goes back to his world and he's supposed to come back but the society destroys the door and so she goes on this adventure to find another door to his world and eventually she finds it and meets back up with the boy and they go sailing around his world and they get married and they have a little baby and his family loves her. And it's just this sweet, adventurous romance. And I loved it so much. I loved this storyline. And spoiler, Adelaide is January's mom and <laughs> Julian is the boy in the story. Um, I'm not really fond of Julian as an adult, but in this story, I love him. So I just like, I just loved that storyline of how her parents got together and found each other again. Oh, it made me happy. I completely agree. I love that story. It was such a good side story. That's finally where it picked up. I, it, yeah. So guys, as a, um, I mean, I talked about this earlier. So we both read her other book. As a warning, we assume you probably read this book, but we're wondering if you also felt that the beginning was slow, and if you read The Once the Future Witches, if you felt that book, that beginning was slow, and that this author enjoys a slow burn. So I'm putting that out into the universe, guys. Let us know if you felt the same way. Abby, mm-hmm. least favorite characters. Um, wow, who did you not like? <laughs> Uh, corny boy, Cornelius Locke, Mr. Locke. Wow, what a twisted SOB. Just his entire part in this book is so messed up because he treats January almost like a father, almost like a daughter. But then at the same time, she's also one of these treasures that he's curated in his mansion. So, like, 
it's the closest thing she really knows to a father because her own father is gone so much, but he does not have her best interest at heart. And when she turns down being in the society and they turn on her and Mr. Locke sends her to the sanatorium and just like, and he tries to like tell her it's for her own good and just like twist things around so that he's right and she's obviously wrong. And of course I'm sitting there reading this going, you twisted little, mm." None of this is okay because he's he twists everything on her, and I'm just he made me so mad because he endeared himself so much to January that she couldn't she almost couldn't tell that he did not have her best interests at heart. Like even after she figured it out, she was still like, Well, I'm still gonna leave him this note. And tell him where I'm going just so he knows I'm safe because he really does care. I think he really does care. And then, of course, he turns her in. Like, I know. Yeah, it's so messed up. And then I also really hated the society because I am not a fan of societies that feel like they have the right to rule the world. I am not a fan of societies that go around destroying magical things in the world. Um, and since the society is going around destroying doors, I don't like the society. <laughs> they are terrible, horrible people. And some of them are really freaky. Did, did not like that they want to destroy. Like, it, it's so fuzzy that you're destroying these wonderful, magical places that you get to go to. Mm-hmm. And it's all because they just wanted to control the world that they were in. They were literally they doing want- it for control. Like right. they didn't want in- anyone influence, and and they didn't want any outside influence influencing their reality. And it's like, come on, guys! Mm-hmm. You know, I really did not like adult Julian. I mean, he got better towards the very end of the book, but he was like all disappointment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, you don't just. Okay, guys, so these are big spoilers. So, Julian gets thrust into this world. Cornelius finds him. Basically, kidnaps um, January and is like, So, I'm going to raise your daughter at my house and you're going to work for me and find these doors. Okay, good. Sounds good. And basically, Julian's stuck doing that, and he never just takes his daughter and goes and finds a way back to Adelaide. Like, he just turns into, he turns into, he's very soft. He's not Adelaide. Like, Adelaide is so powerful and strong and go-getting, and he's so not. Which, I mean, I kind of understand why he kind of rolled over. But he had his daughter, and he needed to protect his daughter, and he missed out, essentially, on her whole life because she was raised by somebody else. Yeah. Um, Julian is kind of a complex character because if you put yourself in his shoes, I can totally see why he fell apart and got stuck in the position he was in with his daughter being raised by somebody else 
just because he had this happy life. He had a woman that he loved. He had this new baby girl and they were supposed to go on an adventure together. And all of a sudden they're stuck on opposite sides of a door and he can't get back to her. I mean, the grief involved in that would paralyze a lot of people. And I think that's what happened to him. So I have, on some levels, I have some sympathy for him. Yeah. But he still messed up big time because he still wasn't there for January. And it was years. I mean, she was a teenager by the time this book starts taking place. So he had all of these years to come to grips with his grief to try and find Adelaide, which he was not succeeding in. He had, and he, she even was asking to go along with him. Like, I would have been taking her along because, okay, so you find Adelaide and now you don't have your daughter with you when you find your wife. How's your wife going to react to that? Because <laughs> let me tell you how pissed I would be <laughs> okay. if my husband okay. showed up without our children when he was supposed to have our children. <laughs> okay, I'm with you on that one. I, Adelaide's a little scary. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Adelaide would have been terrifying. Like, whoa. So, like on some levels, I get him. On some levels, I have some sympathy for him. But he done messed up bad. Um, I liked his bit of redemption at the end. That was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. It didn't make up for everything. But I mean, I understand. I'm with you on that one. I too would be terrified of Adelaide if I didn't come back with my kid. Or come right. Right. All right. Um, you already hinted on Mr. Locke. He is trash. Um, God, he just messed up Adelaide so much. And then, like, towards the end, he's like, you never realize I'm the one that controlled your dad. And she's like, what the mm-hmm. And, I don't know. I think in some twisted way, he did care for her, but just to use her. You know what I mean? Like, she was a, she was a trophy and a means to an end, but not a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then society you know why society made me so mad you know why Why? because they're toting themselves as an archaeological society so they should be doing really cool things and discovering past cultures and connecting all the old dots not going around slamming all of these doors to other worlds just to preserve their own hierarchy oh I know mm-hmm. especially since their main president was it Locke who came from? No. No, it was some other guy. Yeah, the guy that came from the other... Yeah, their leader came through from another dimension, essentially. And he's like, yeah, you know, I don't want to ruin this one. So let's just slam all the doors. And then they all formed around him. I know. And what a little weasel. Just like, I want to control this dimension. So, ha ha ha. Like, right? ugh. Oh, just punch, punch. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, what are your favorite scenes? I, l- I know, guys. I've shown us. I get to kind of see what Abby has for her favorite scenes, and I love her first favorite scene. Uh, January escaping the mental hospital is the highlight scene of this book. The fight, the escape, the discovering of her powers. 
and the the way she discovers her powers is not great because i mean it is self-harm so i mean that's really not a great point but overall this scene is just amazing the way she rips the door in the fabric of reality to go to escape from the mental hospital to get to the cabin it just ooh, wow it's really cool isn't it oh that was such a cool scene and then the other scenes i've really enjoyed were the ones where we were following her parents love story and how they met and got together and had her and all that because they were so sweet and it was this like little quest story of finding their true love and getting back together and I don't know those were just like such cute scenes with a fun adventure so what about you I have to wow so pretty much the same thing you said I adored Adelaide and Julian's story I loved how Adelaide was so determined to get to his world and how she traveled to every single other freaking place she could to find hints of where he might be. And then when she finally got there, she's like, all right, give me a boat. Let's go. And off she went to learn how to sail on this world full of ocean of islands to go find him. Mm -hmm. And it just... I loved their love. I loved Adelaide, honestly. She could have been one of my favorite characters. And I love the magic in this book. I love when we're discovering January's magic. And yes, you're right. The hospital scene, when she discovers it, is self-harm because she carves her words into her arm to make a door to get out of the hospital. But the fact that she has this, essentially the the magic of her father from her um, father's line that her words have power. So the things she writes can become into existence. And so the journal she has, she writes, you know, I guess affirmations and it becomes reality for her. And I love that. I love that kind of world building. I thought it was unique and different. Um, and the fact that like her, um, her grandmother, her father's mother, is a tattooist who essentially tattoos words on people um, for the professions to make them better. Love that. Um, they put words into their sails for good fortune, for good fishing. I loved the magic of that mm-hmm. world. The literal written word was yes. magic, and I loved that. That was so cool. I was like, right? shoot, I'd be getting like- tattoos all over the place. <laughs> Uh, I know, right? And so, like, that for me was the, just the highlight, like, of the book. And I know it's not a favorite scene, but you know how I love a good world building. Oh, yeah. All right. I suppose we should move on to least favorite scenes then. Yeah. Abby, I, I kind of hated everything with Locked in the Society in the first, you know, quarter of the book was kind of boring, honestly. But they're just yeah. awful people. Every single one of them. Like no one had a re- no one had redemption. Yeah, I don't know. I no no one was good. And every time that they were in any part of the book, it was bad. Mm-hmm. And it just made me really sad. I know. I was definitely not a fan of like 
the first quarter of this book because it's just Aro does slow builds and it, mm, it's not my favorite thing. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of slow builds. And so the beginnings of her books are just kind of like, okay, can we move this on? <laughs> Once she actually lets the story start seriously happening, it's such a good read. It's just getting through that first part of the book that's like, all right, <laughs> let's, yeah. I see the potential. Can we, can we move this on? <laughs> let's go. And we're waiting, we're waiting. I know. And I think that's what really, well, that, oh, well, we can't go there yet. I won't go there yet. I will start to talk about my final thoughts. Or are we there for final thoughts? We're there. Let's move on to final thoughts. This is why this is a solid four. Like the world building was so unique. The characters were rememberable, but the beginning was slow. That just drags it down for me. And it just made me really sad because I, I really liked it. I've been telling people, like, if you want to read a really interesting young adult fantasy novel, this is it. But it's going to take you a hot second. And the fact that her other book, she's only written two book, guys. She's written um, 10,000 Doors of January and The Once and Future Witches. And both of them took a quarter of the book to get into. That's a lot of my time and dedication for me to stay with you, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. So initially, after I read this, I gave it five stars on Goodreads. But now that it's been a bit since I read it, I'm probably going to knock it down to four. Just because usually if I have something as a five-star read, I'm going to remember it. I'm going to think back on it fondly. This is not a book that I'm doing that with. Um, usually a five-star read will be something that I want to reread eventually. I have no desire to reread this. It was a good book. I liked it. I enjoyed it once I got into it, but it's definitely not reread worthy for me. So I'm probably going to be knocking it down to four stars. That's still a really good rating for me. It still means I really enjoyed it. I liked it. It was a fun ride, but it's just not a five star for me, like I thought it was. And you know what? That's okay. It is okay for you not to have this as a yeah, go getter. Let's do it. Honestly, though, I would reread this book. Um, I don't think I would reread the Once and Future Witches, mm-hmm. but I, I am, I like this book enough that this could end up being a work, work read. Yeah, you know, a, a book you run in the background. Mm-hmm. So, guys. I gotta be real. I'm listening to Cinder by Marissa Meyer. Those book guys. If you have not read The Lunar Chronicles, I'm gonna put a plug in right now. Please go read them. They're young adult. They're fairy tale retellings. They're everything I love in a book, and they're so good. They're so good. They're futuristic fairy tale retellings. Yes, yes they're amazing. Yeah, for me. Between this book and The Once and Future Witches, since she wrote both of them, um, I would be more tempted to reread The Once and Future Witches. 
that's mostly just personal preference. I liked more elements of that book than I did of this one. But they're both solid four-star reads. So... I love how different we are sometimes. Like, like we're so similar. And then there's things like this where we're like, I would reread it. And you're like, I could take it or leave it. Thanks for the offer, you know? Well, everyone, that is all for tonight. Um, I thought this was a great book. I do recommend that you should read it, which I hope you have read it since you've listened to our episode so far. And we'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks, like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.